Welcome to the Perfectly Flawed podcast. On this podcast, I am your host, Renee Fox, and I chat to various people who are willing to be open and vulnerable about their own experiences with mental health and sport. Please keep in mind that the things discussed on this podcast are people's own experiences and is not medical advice. If anything in these episodes is triggering for you or you feel like you need assistance, please contact a health professional or Lifeline on 13 11 14. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Perfectly Flawed podcast. In this episode, I am joined by Amy and Eloise. This episode is in light of Deacon's Wellness Week, where the three of us answer some really common questions. We discuss things ranging from lockdown motivation, meaningful connection, being a supportive friend, embarrassing sports story, and our Deacon sports highlight. This episode is a little long, but I think it's definitely worthwhile listening. We do dissect some serious topics, but we also have a few laughs as well. Sometimes you can hear some feedback in the audio, so I do apologize for that. I have done my best to work the editing magic. This episode is a great chat between Amy Eloise and myself, so make sure you have a listen. I really enjoyed recording with both of them. I also do want to make mention to the fact that we do talk about suicide in this chat, so if that is triggering for you, please skip over that or do seek help if you need it. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Perfectly Flawed podcast. Thank you guys for joining me today. So this episode is a little different to what I've done previously. It is in light of Deacon's Wellness Week. So I'm Renee, for those that haven't listened to the podcast before, and I sort of started this in honor of my friend who passed from suicide last year. Just being able to create conversation and making people feel less alone, talking about sport, mental health, and anything in between. So I am a Deacon student. I'm also a the team manager of the swim team, although COVID has sort of put that on hold at the moment. But yeah, so I've got two lovely guests with me today and we're just going to chat all things wellness. So Eloise, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, of course. My, um, my name's Eloise. I, my day job is a critical care registered nurse. I work in the emergency department at Richmond um, Epworth, Epworth Richmond in Richmond, I suppose. Um, I'm a Deacon student and a triathlete as well when I have time. I was the team manager for triathlon for Deakin this year, which unfortunately didn't go ahead. Um, and I'm currently in my final semester of advanced nursing practice um, masters by coursework. And I've got one more exam to go and then hopefully that will be it. But, you know, who knows with uni, uni life and sport, we always tend to come back to where we started. Um, I was on the Perfectly Fluid podcast back in January, and I've shared with you already um, a bit about my sporting and mental health journey. Um, but today... I'm joining Renee and Amy for Deuces Wellness Week to um, have a bit of more of a chat about sport and mental health, especially during a pandemic and while we're all currently in lockdown. So welcome, ladies. I'm very happy to be here. Awesome. So I'm Amy and I am a part-time student at Deakin. I'm studying um, psychology at the moment. I started doing a Bachelor of Health and Physical Education in 2017 and I created the first Deakin softball team that year as well, where I was the team TM, team manager and yeah, founder of the team, I suppose. 
I wasn't the TM this year um, because I wasn't studying, but handed it over to my younger sister, but hoping in future years I might be able to step back into it. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't even say what I was studying, so I'm going to add that in now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing a double degree, uh, exercise sports science and business sports management. In light of lockdown, what do we think are some tips to get motivated in lockdown? Because obviously for us Melburnians, it has gone on a very long time. So what are some tips and tricks that we've sort of learned along the way in terms of getting motivated? I'll throw it to you first, Amy. Yeah, so I think keeping a routine. I think it's been said a lot by everyone sort of in lockdown and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, having, I have like to-do lists of different things that I need to do each day and sort of trying to make each day a little bit different to the one before because it can sort of all become Groundhog Day and all merge into a massive blur of just sort of lockdown six or whatever. So I think just having a routine of different things and knowing sort of little things that you can look forward to if it's that Zoom call that you set up with friends or whatever or, you know, the weekend, acknowledging that it's the weekend, even if it's not that much different to a weekday. But I think that's probably the main thing that I've been doing to sort of try and stay sane during this lockdown. I find the routine helps a lot as well, especially sleep. Um, it's a, l- a little bit more difficult being a shift worker because normally I don't know what day it is anyway when my Fridays feel like Mondays and then I'm on a Sunday night and then I wake up and two days have gone past and I don't know where I am. Um, but I find sleep to be the most important thing. So making sure I go to bed at a reasonable hour when I've not got anything on that day or if I'm on a late, making sure I get up at say 7.30 or 8 in the morning and not sleeping till lunchtime because I find that you just, lose the day so easily um, and I don't know what it's like for people working from home um, but definitely sometimes it feels like all I'm doing is eat sleep work repeat and I think for a lot of people who are confined to their own room or their own house working from home it's probably largely the same um, so just finding time to be outside um, trying to fit in my training whether or not it's actual training or it's just a spin on the bike or a walk or some form of fresh air and just trying to make sure I don't sleep too much yeah and it definitely has come back to some sort of routine even if it's not the same sort of routine as you're doing before like obviously my routine is very different from you know swimming training like eight plus sessions a week comps uni it doesn't look anything like that anymore but even if it's as little as you know when I get up in the morning I want to make sure that I have breakfast And I'm going to watch an episode of my show whilst I have breakfast and just say, yep, I've ticked that off my list today. And having those to-do lists, even if you do put like really small things on, like made my bed, brushed my teeth, had breakfast. And that way you still feel like you've been somewhat productive because you can tick those things off your list. Makes you feel that bit better. And particularly for me, we've had a couple nice warmer days even though I haven't been super warm going out in the sun makes such a difference for me personally I'm sure it does for other people as well but just going out and getting some sunshine even if it is literally just sitting outside on my phone rather than sitting on the couch inside on my phone just literally moving to another room or outside makes you feel like you've done something oh yes I'm like a cat I find this the sunny bit on the floor and I will go and sit on it and then it will move throughout the hour or so that I'm in there in the morning so I'll move around the floor to follow the sun it's yeah it's ridiculous 
just a change of scenery in the house, like just going to a different room, as you said, like sitting on your phone outside as opposed to inside. So you might still be doing the same thing, but just sort of shaking it up a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Doing those I've been um, really washing my sheets a lot, especially if it's a warm <laughs> day. I'll get up and I'm like, right, it's time to wash the sheets. And I will wash my entire bed and then get it all out in the sun, out in the wind, make the bed, and then I get home. And it is the best sleep. And I just enjoy having a good sleep so much that every time there's a sunny day, I'm like, right, I know what I'm doing. I'm putting the sheets out. Like they don't even need to be washed. It's just nice. I just like having it done. The best feeling in the world is having clean sheets. You've just had a shower. You've freshly done your legs, fresh pajamas, and you hop into bed. That is the best feeling. Yes. You are the (laughs) dolphin, slippery. No one can catch you. I'm just like, so fast, like in my own bed. It's it's silly and then the cat joins me so you know we all have a little wiggle around it's great what about in terms of like obviously we've kind of spoken about like motivation and just lockdown in general what about in terms of being active we'll go with you Aloise first well I've known this about myself for quite a long time and my coping mechanism when I lose motivation or I get tired or I don't want to do anything is to do everything more and pick up more tasks and get more busy and just fill my life um so the first lock snap lockdown that we had back in february um i was supposed to be competing in ironman 70.3 in geelong and i ended up breaking my foot so i was in a moon boot so classic me i enrolled in an undergrad degree in sport and exercise nutrition as well as doing my master's and working full-time And now I'm like, hmm, I have lots of assignments to do. What am I doing? And a lot of hex debt. Um, So naturally, when lockdown came back again, I picked up agency work. So I went and worked um, in lots of EDs just around the the city because I was bored and had nothing to do. So the more I worked, the better I felt because the busier I was. But I felt as though if I was going to slow down, it would be a lot more detrimental. So I think maybe I was escaping feeling locked down or feeling trapped or anything by um, trying to work myself into distraction um, and it's it's quite hard because usually sport there's something that can distract you about it so you've got a goal you've got a race you've got an event you've got a uni games you've got even even a training session with your club that afternoon something to look forward to and now not only are things being cancelled but there's also uncertainty around certain things I find um having things that I can control are quite um, cathartic. So I guess maybe washing the sheets is a way that I can make myself feel better and it's in my own control and I can pick up a uni degree where it's all online. So it's all on me. So there's nothing outside of my control that could be taken away from me. Um, And I've definitely noticed this a lot in our club. We've had a lot of athletes train for Ironman, half Ironman, Oh, goodness. This morning I submitted my application for the World Championships team for the third year in a row, not knowing if it will go ahead next year. And just finding ways to have some kind of control and things that are constant really, really help. Um, And turning the constant goal instead of it being a race day that may not happen, the constant is I am fit, I am healthy, I can go outside today. And I know that that can't be taken away from me. You just kind of shift your focus. So now I'm enjoying just sort of getting out and moving my body, whether or not I'm training for anything specific. I just try and stay in that moment and stay in that hour 
which turned into two hours, which now turned into four hours in a 10K radius. Um, so just trying to enjoy it while it's there because you don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of months, couple of weeks, tomorrow. Yeah, I think I've sort of just been sort of focusing on sort of more fun movement as well, like sort of, you know, going outside and kicking off footy or something, even though I'm hopeless at it or throwing American footy or whatever or, um, you know, putting on like a YouTube dance class or some YouTube yoga or something, just sort of to, because it can be hard. Like I, I think where I am, it's rural and, you know, it's not necessarily easy to just, get out and go for a walk because I live on a freeway and all that sort of stuff so if I'm at work I might try and go on my lunch break or something but just sort of you know be patient with myself and just remind myself that we're in the middle of a pandemic like you know it's just sort of listen to your body and move it the way that it feels right and then you know that's that's really all you can do at this point so that's sort of what I've been focusing on in the last little bit. For me personally, like obviously I'm recovering from surgery. So my physical activity looks very different to what um, I don't want to say fully abled, but someone that is not injured or recovering from a major (laughs) surgery. Yeah. So for me, a lot of it is just walking at the moment. I can't do much else in terms of activity, but there are times where it's like, I really just don't want to today. And so sometimes I might just say, okay, well, you know, I'll just, every time my watch buzzes at me to say that I haven't moved in a while, I'll just get up, walk around the house and then sit back down again, just to move my body. Or sometimes it's like, okay, I'll just do one lap of the block, which is just 10 minutes. It only takes 10 minutes to do that. I'll just do one. And if I'm feeling okay, I'll do another one. And if not, I can just walk inside knowing that I still did something. And it's, you know, putting on a good playlist or listening to a really good podcast like this. <laughs> Jokes. <laughs> Not going to lie, I did one time have to do one of my long rides in my 5K radius. So I had a three-hour ride to do and I went to the velodrome, which is the only place I can ride my 5K. And I turned on our episode because I knew it would distract me because I'd be cringing at myself the whole time. <laughs> so I made the time fly. That's so good. Yeah, no, but sometimes like I there are like I don't listen to my own podcast, but like if I recommend listening to it, but there's a lot of other podcasts that I enjoy listening to that do take my mind off what's going on. Or as I said, like a really good playlist. Um, but I definitely like last year in lockdown prior to me having surgery, I think I definitely used exercise in a negative way which I think a lot of us can get caught up in it was a way to escape and sort of get frustration out which isn't always a bad thing but it can be a bad thing if you don't know why you're doing it or you don't find another outlet you know so it is something to be mindful of but I think getting up and moving your body when you can and knowing that it's okay to have a rest day Absolutely. I think sort of in terms of the exercise and overdoing it and stuff, it's like anything, it's it's a balance. So it can become an obsession. So when it becomes the focus of your whole time and all that sort of stuff, then it, it can be negative, but it can definitely be a really powerful tool in helping you feel better in a lockdown. Yeah. What do we think then, like, I mean, I've had my fair share of like bad days during lockdown and even outside of lockdown. What are some things that we do to make ourselves either feel better. I mean, sometimes it is just a matter of just getting it out of our system, but what are sort of those self-care things that we can implement in or out of lockdown when we are feeling a bit shitty? Yeah, so I um, I definitely sort of am getting better at feel, like giving myself permission to feel the way that I feel and just accepting that that's 
completely normal and it's it's a good thing and it's a really weird way to be living at the moment and um it could be you know you can have bad days at any time but particularly during a pandemic it can feel escalated and elevated and all that sort of stuff so I think that and keeping communication open with my partner so he sort of knows how I'm feeling and all that sort of stuff and even if I can't necessarily explain it I'll just say you know I'm having a flat day or whatever or reaching out to family and friends that can be really really helpful I think I think there's been a couple of times where I've FaceTimed my younger sister and haven't really necessarily had a whole lot to talk to her about but I would just you know be watching tv and she'd be watching tv and it just felt kind of nice um, having her sort of there without having her there because we used to do that all the time when I lived at home we'd sit and watch tv together so I think just those little things and taking time to be gentle with yourself is just a huge thing to you know be kind and acknowledge that it's completely normal to feel flat and that you know if it gets further you can reach out for that help where need be um learning and also learning the hard way and trying and failing and then realizing that you're burnt out and then having to take time off and it definitely is a balance and I find the things for me is I know I've mentioned the sheets thing but giving myself a very good sleeping environment has been amazing so keeping my room clean keeping my clothes clean making sure my hygiene I'm well kept um, I find a very nice like hand moisturizer like a really nice scented Um, moisturizer I love putting on my face and just sort of smelling it and putting it on my hands especially if I've come home from work and I've been in PPE or I've you know been washing my hands and they're all dry and horrible Um, and I find I think I'm a very sensory person I find um, I have to you know get under like a soft blanket or get in my pajamas which are nice and soft I find that very calming um, calming experience especially when you know your thoughts are racing or you can't necessarily you know, call someone or go get whatever, you know, however you need your, you need your needs, however you meet your <laughs> needs, which I guess none of us can do at the minute, whether that's exercise or socializing or getting lit at the pub, which, you know, can be a, a definite emotional release if you're just drinking and venting with colleagues or friends or whatever. So I think it's about finding alternatives. Those definitely have worked for me. Um, and even just having a window open for fresh air when I'm inside, just, having the sun and the fresh air generally does wonders for me yeah fresh air is a really good thing and I know for me when I'm having a shitty day I like to pamper myself and make myself feel good so like today I, I painted my nails red because I can Ooh, they look nice thanks I'm not very good at coloring in the lines I need to work on that <laughs> <laughs> that's fine at zoom I can't I can't tell it's all good looks good from here um yeah so like painting my nails or doing like I have a foam roller so sort of like releasing everything out stretching make my body feel good um watching a movie favorite tv show or just going outside reading a book or sometimes it literally is just like I'll literally just sit in the bottom of the shower and just cry to a good playlist because I just need to get it out because sometimes it's just being bottled up for too long it's like I've got things to do like I've got uni I've got assignments coming up I don't have time like I just need to get on with it like just push it down but then it ends just bubbles up anyway so you do have to take time to accept that those feelings are there and just be aware that you know pushing it down is going to come up at some point so be mindful of that and I think another thing that you mentioned Amy is that even if you're on FaceTime or even just a phone call with someone you don't necessarily have to have a conversation it is just a matter of someone just being there that's something that I've 
noticed particularly during lockdown is that I'll reach out to a friend and we go to have a chat and it's like we literally end up just talking about the weather because we've been in lockdown there is nothing new to share it's like yep I've told you everything like nothing's changed since I spoke to you last week so we just talk about the weather and then the conversation dies off and you kind of feel a bit awkward because you don't really know like like I didn't really get what I wanted out of it I really wanted to feel that sense of connection and I didn't get that because it was very surface level conversation and so when I was in hospital I was alone but I didn't really have anything to say like I'm very drugged up on pain meds and didn't really know what to have a conversation about so I FaceTime my dad and I literally had the tv on and him just there and just having someone there like I just felt less alone so that was definitely helpful for me yeah, it's about getting that meaningful connection. I think one of the things I struggle with because a lot of people say, oh, you know, you get to go to work. It's great. You get to go and interact with people and your colleagues. And yes, that's great to an extent. I mean, I'm very grateful that I do get to leave the house and go to work and interact with people. But at the same time, when you're at work, it's not meaningful conversation. It's, oh, hi, how are you going? Or what did you get up to? It's like, oh, yeah, I went for a walk. Ha-ha. And then it's, um, you know, you're talking to a patient who, you know, maybe complaining about the food or the coffee or the weight or whatever. And you're just like, yes, okay, cool. And I think it's very hard to focus on other things that are important, like uni and assignments and training and races and things, because nothing feels like it matters anymore. Because this huge natural disaster is going on around us. And it's like, I don't care about my assignment that's due. I don't. I can't. I don't remember why I cared so much about my marks and everything. I'm like, all I want is to just talk to my friend. All I want is to hang out with my family. I don't care about marks or grades or, you know, career, my career or anything at the minute. I just, you know, it's, it sort of reprioritizes what you want out of life. And, you know, you sort of see people out protesting and things and taking things for granted. And you're like, I just... I just want to see my parents. Totally agree with that. And I think one thing that's sort of been a huge blessing for me is I've been planning my wedding, which has been really exciting. Oh, I mean. <laughs> but then there's also sort of like, oh, like, am I gonna am I gonna be able to get married? Like, I mean, it's still, I think it's still like seven months away or something. It's not till April. So it was a really good thing to hear sort of the numbers of when they were expecting things to open up again and all that sort of stuff. But you know, I sort of am booking vendors and checking every COVID policy being like, can I get my money back if this doesn't go ahead or, you know, all that sort of stuff. But I think that's been a huge distraction. And if I hadn't had that, like, um, I think it would be be a little bit different, but yeah, I'm the same. Like I miss my family. Like I just want to be able to go and see them. I haven't seen them since the middle of June or something. And yeah, it's, it's tricky, but I think you just kind of got to keep pushing on as hard as it is, just keep putting that foot in front of the other and, know that it will come and when it does it will feel amazing similar um especially going through a few sort of I guess mental health crises I will call them um where you sort of you know you say you you get depressed for a couple of weeks and you think oh nothing you know nothing matters I don't care about anything and then suddenly you're three weeks overdue you've got rent due you've got assignments due you've got you know bills that need paying and you're three weeks behind and now you've suddenly got to deal with all of that on top of coming out of a depressive episode so one thing I've learned is to try not to push too hard to get things done, but also not let things slide at the same time. It's very, very tricky, but you kind of got to like reprioritize what needs to be done and just taking some of the emphasis off like, yeah, okay, I'll go to work to pay a bill and I'll make sure that that's not late. So then I don't have to suffer because of it in three weeks time. But then other stuff that doesn't really matter, like getting an HD or a D 
doesn't really matter that much in the grand scheme of things, but, you know, sort of putting things in place so that you can live your life when this eventually ends. So, you know, exercise becomes more about just doing something daily to make yourself feel better and just keep your general fitness up for life rather than trying to make an Australian team or get a time or, you know, I think, I think a lot of, I'm not sure if my competitiveness has toned down because I've poured it into other things, but I think, I don't know, it's going to be interesting going back to race because I don't know if that competitive spark will have gone or if it will come back a hundred times more intense because I haven't done it for so long. Like I'm kind of scared, not going to lie. Yeah, I, I am too, definitely to go back to Samin. Like, I mean, I have one thing of not being able to do it from lockdown and then recovering from surgery. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I also think it's really important to mention that we are in lockdown. We are in a pandemic. Whatever you're feeling is totally fine. We have never done this before. There is still a lot of uncertainty. So whatever you're feeling is totally normal, regardless of what that is. And I, for one, I'm sure I'm not alone in saying this, that I've questioned my life like am I doing the right degree is this what I want what do I actually want to go back to when things open up is that actually what I want in my life I don't know and sort of question all those questions are coming up and it's okay for those to come up and it's also okay not to have answers to those either we don't know what things are going to look like I think literally just putting one foot in front of the other and sometimes a day feels really long so even taking that back to okay let's just get through the next hour Let's just watch one episode of a show that goes for, you know, half an hour, hour, whatever it is. Let's just get through that and then see how I feel once that's done. And let's try and do one other thing. Okay, let's go, let's listen to one song. It's a couple minutes. Let's just do that one thing. And literally just taking one thing at a time because sometimes, you know, it gets to Monday and it's like, oh, I have to do a whole nother week in this lockdown and it feels endless. So really pairing it back, break it down you know what, I'm going to spend my morning today, I'm going to do this activity. And then when that's done, I'm going to do this. Really just taking it slow and knowing that it's okay to feel all these different emotions. I think, yeah, I think the amount of emotions that I felt in a single day during lockdown can just vary so much. You know, I can almost feel like a different person at different times. As you said, like I'll be driving to work, just questioning like, why am I working where I'm working? Why am I doing this? And then, you know, I'll be in my lunch break going oh and I really want to do this uni course or you know all that sort of stuff and I think it's just it's such a hard time to be sort of focusing on all those things and you know there's so much change and all that sort of stuff so as you said just focusing on that next little bit like even if it's sort of you know as you said breaking it down to tiny little things sometimes it is day by day but sometimes that's way too overwhelming so if I'm at work it might be okay I'm going to serve this customer and then I'm going to do the you know the next one as it as need be but it's so tricky and I think that's just it like it's um, sort of remembering as well that everyone's going through this well and we're all going to have slightly different experiences through it and to just try and you know hold on and relax I suppose as much as you can and acknowledge that a lot of it is out of your control and that's okay um, that you're still going to be okay and you know you'll get through it I suppose because you always have <laughs> which hasn't always been easy um, but yeah you'll get through it building on that learning to forgive yourself for the decisions that you've made in the past I know a lot of us can look back and think oh why did I do that or why did I say that or and one of the things that's given me a lot of peace has been the knowledge that I have made the best decision at the time with what I had 
So just knowing that your intentions are good and you may change your mind and that's okay. But at the time, that's what you wanted and that's what you did because that was the information that you had or the perspective that you had or the need at the time. Um, and even I had that, that moment yesterday, I, I left work and sort of took off all my PPE and sat down exhausted and had a bit of a cry. And I thought, at what series of life choices has led me to this point where I am in full PPE for eight to 12 hours at a time, looking after people who won't wear their masks in the emergency department and also complain about food and complain about all this, you know, I had a patient that wouldn't put his mask on to go in the elevator. And he turned around to me and said, oh, it's uncomfortable. And I'm stood there in a gown, scrubs, booties, two masks, goggles, a face shield and two hairnets and two pairs of gloves. And I just looked at him. I was like, you think this is fun for me? Yeah. It's just, you know, stuff like that. But then I think that I'm very grateful to be there at that time because I do take a lot of pride in my job. But at the same time, I did choose it. I chose it. I studied. I paid a lot of money for my degree and I did a lot of hours and I genuinely enjoy what I do. And it's not always going to be like this. I think it's a really interesting point as well um, that you made, Eloise, in terms of sort of there there was a reasoning and stuff as to why you made different decisions at times. And um, I remember talking about this last year with my older sister and she said that and suggested that um, if I'm making a big decision and all that sort of stuff, what she likes to do is often journal and she's not really a journaler and I'm not really either, but even just quick scribbling down of ideas so that you can sort of remind yourself later on if you sort of look back and go, why did I make that decision or why did I do that? If you're a little bit harsh on yourself, you can go back and read that entry, even if it's in your notes on, on your phone or something and you can just go, oh, hang on, like I was in the context that I was in with the information that I had, that was definitely sort of the right move to make. And I think that I started doing that with some of the big decisions and even little decisions that I've made. And later on, I have gone back and written, read over what I've written and gone, okay, and it's been easier to be kind to myself and acknowledge that that was the right move to make at that time. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think I've even sort of come across that in my podcast as well. Like when I first started, I found it challenging to get people to come on and slowly but surely I started getting more guests and it's really exciting to see where this can go. But at times I still kind of go, you know, this episode didn't get as many people listening to it as this one. Why didn't that work? And sort of it can be a negative mindset and a spiral that I do fall into often is that what am I doing wrong like this isn't working this only got this many lessons that's not good enough or it's not getting out and then I'll just get one message from one person saying this is really cool like thank you for doing that I really enjoyed such and such an episode it's like oh this actually is affecting someone like that's really cool yeah that's a huge thing like I think you know, like I, when I was teaching and originally want, thought I wanted to be a teacher and all that sort of stuff, sometimes, you know, you'd have a hard day on placement and you're just like, oh, I just, I don't know if this is the right career or anything. And even though I didn't sort of end up continuing with that, I now think sort of with psychology, when I eventually get out into the field and do whatever it is that I'm doing, even if I can make, you know, one day a little bit easier for one person, like, isn't that a huge thing? Like, you know, it's I think that's an amazing thing that you can do and if your reach is even further than that then that's just even better so 
Absolutely. You have those moments. Um, yeah, I had I had one which I'll, I'll share with you guys because I think it, it has a lot of value. Um, and I think you and everyone listening to this will appreciate it. Um, having my own experience as a suicidal patient sitting in an emergency department, now being a critical care nurse and having someone come into my emergency department in the same situation that I was, I was able to sit, sit down with her for three hours and have a chat. And I was able to use my lived experience to educate her and give her options as to things she could do and almost a little bit of advice but at the end of the day I just sat down and I listened and I said to her look I've actually been where you where you are right now and I said to her after listening to you know everything that was going on in her life and I said straight up to her face you don't want to die you just need a break and this is your brain and your body telling you that you need a break and she just started crying because she's like yeah I don't She's like, I don't, but I don't know what else to do. My, I, I completely stuck in life. And I found that very powerful for someone that had been in that situation before and not knowing what the options were to get out of it and having someone sit down and say, okay, well, this is the plan. This is some things we can do. And sort of being able to sit there and talk to her and help her out with that, I found that very, very powerful. Um, and I think that sort of negates all of the shitty days that we have every patient we lose every you know person that says oh you've got instant coffee and you're a private hospital like it just takes all of that away if I can sit down with that one person and help them a little bit um, using what I've been through and I think that's why I'm a bit of an open book sometimes too much so people tell me Um, but I think if what we're doing unashamedly someone else can find resonance with and actually use to their advantage and get themselves out of somewhere I think that's very powerful and I definitely want to be involved yeah I think that's incredible I think that's probably a huge draw as to why I've gone into psychology recently I um, actually entered a major depression in 2019 and um, I was so so thankful that my psychologist and my psychiatrist and everyone in my sort of team that I created to help me through that they were just they were incredible and I think it's sort of one of those things that now I, I do want to give back a little bit. And I think, you know, I've got these experiences that a lot of people probably can relate to. And I think I have a way of sort of, yeah, knowing sort of what they're going through now. And that's when uni gets tough and, you know, I go, why am I doing this assignment? I don't want to do this assignment or whatever. And you think, okay, one day I'm going to be in this position where I can help someone and it'll totally be worth it. So I think that's sort of the little motivation that keeps pushing me through with that. Yeah, and it will. And it will happen when you least expect it. You'll just be like, oh, okay, I'm now 26 and the last six years of my life have just flashed before me. And you were actually able to turn some kind of suffering into helping someone else. And it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, look forward to it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I remember when I was in hospital and I was this particular day it was the day after I'd had surgery and I was in the worst pain I've ever experienced in my entire life. And I thought I've had back pain before I've like thrown up from pain. I've passed out from pain. Like there's no way this surgery can be worse than that. Like I've experienced pain. I know what this is. Like I've trained with a broken back. I can do this. Like I'll be fine. And literally the day after surgery, I'd never been 
in excruciating pain like that ever and I was bawling my eyes out and because my limited mobility I wasn't allowed to move and so they had to like try and roll me onto my side and I was crying bawling my eyes out and the nurse and my mom with it I literally said like just kill me because this is so much pain I can't do this I don't want to be in this much pain anymore like like seriously just like give me something to knock me out do something and it was just awful and as you said Eloise it's not a matter of wanting to die you just don't want to continue with the way that things currently are so you have to find a way whether you can figure that on your own or you need someone else to help you it doesn't matter it's totally fine to ask someone else to help you get through that and work together to build strategies to move forward um but yeah like and I was so upset and the nurse literally just held my hand and in that time we were in lockdown as well so the nurse was in full PPE and obviously, and then even one of the days I was classes visiting and exposure sites. So then I was even further isolated again and didn't really have much contact with any staff at all. And someone came in to give me my food and I was hysterical because I'd literally been on my own for hours and and pain and all those sort of things play on it too and I literally just cried and she literally just sat on the end of my bed and just held my hand I'm like you shouldn't be touching me like I know I've tested negative but (laughs) you shouldn't be touching me um and she just she's like it's fine I'll just hold your hand I'll sit here and hold your hand until you're okay and that just then as I said like it it's such a small thing but it makes such a big difference yeah I think especially with mental health people don't know what to say um and you don't need to know what to say. You just need to say something, you know, like even if you say you completely put your foot in your mouth and I'm like, and you say something stupid, worst case scenario, the person's going to laugh. And if that's the worst case scenario, then absolutely fine. And I think um, Renee being in your situation where you're just like, I can't go on with things that are going on um, around you, whether that's being in pain from surgery or, having a breakup or being in a household that doesn't necessarily allow you to be who you want or have sort of freedoms or, you know, anything that's going on in your life. The hard thing is that the changes take time and it's having the skills and knowing that it will end eventually. Um, And I know for me that one of the things um, that really helped me was moving out. So I love my parents but moving out of my parents' house was probably the best thing I ever did. And then finding a job. Um, I recently changed jobs. In, um, in July, I left a job which was very physically and emotionally demanding um, where the management team weren't necessarily supporting the staff. And quitting a job with no job lined up was the most terrifying thing I've ever done. I was like, what am I going to do for work? What am I going to do? You know, what if I have to pay rent? All that kind of stuff. But the day I quit, I felt like the weight has come off my shoulders and in the last year getting a job that supports me that I enjoy I'm moving house in November to you know somewhere where I can be on my own with my cat like a goblin but you know we'll uh (laughs) we know I'm 80 on the inside but just small things like that that take time it's interesting because when you go into therapy you think okay well this person's going to cure me but that's not the case it's more them pointing out areas in your life where okay, maybe we could do this a bit better or maybe you're fighting with your housemates or your parents and you need a better living situation or you need a different job that's not so demanding or pays you a bit more so you're a little more financially stable. So I think knowing that 
it's a slightly different to medicine where you go in and you're given things that can sort of fix you straight away. Um, I think a lot of people get frustrated that it's such a long process. And I definitely did because I had no idea what I was in for. And they were like, oh, here's your homework. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm paying you. You give me the cure and I go home. That's how this works. No, no, no. But once you appreciate that you can actually change things about your life that you don't like, you don't need to kill yourself. You can kill the life that you had that you hate. Not straight away, but you can. That was a long tangent, but I think, <laughs> yeah, sort of realizing that, yeah, like this pandemic is not going to, is not going to go on forever, but finding things that can make your day a little bit easier, like going for a walk or getting some fresh air or buying a mask that's made of something really soft that's easier to breathe instead of those shitty surgical masks or putting some essential oils inside it so it smells nice, like just tiny little things that can make your day better that will eventually add up over a long period of time and make your life better. Yeah, I think that's some really good points there. I think in particular as well, when, you know, someone comes to you and they're struggling and, you know, how you made a comment, sometimes it's really hard to know what to say. I think it's also the opposite of the, um, on the other side of it as well, is sometimes, you know, as a person who wants to ask for help, and they acknowledge that they need to ask for help, but they don't know what help they need or whatever. Sometimes just literally just putting your hand up to the right person and saying, I'm struggling. I don't know why. I don't know how you can help me. I don't know what's going to happen, but I need help. That can be a huge thing as well. It's just sort of acknowledging it and taking that tiny, tiny step towards it. And as well, like therapy, therapy is a weird one. Like I've been I've been in therapy for years and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, even though I had the same psychologist or whatever, it sort of wasn't until my psychiatrist came in and all that sort of stuff. And I think you just, you just got to keep working at it. Cause as you said, you will get through it. It's not going to end. Like it's, it will end. So it's not going to stay on forever. It's like the pandemic, you will get through and it, it will be okay. Like, you know, in the past with people living through world wars and all this uncertainty and all that sort of stuff, it's like, there is hope at the other end and we will get back to some sort of normal or new normal. That's just as good as it was before. We've just got to be patient and just, yeah, hope for it and keep keep pushing towards it. Yeah, I agree. I think it is a matter of, and it is really brave to say, hey, I do actually need help. This is really hard and I, I'm not really sure how to go forward from here. And and if you are that person receiving that message, say, having a friend that's reaching out to you saying I need help and you, as you say, like you don't really know what to say or how to deal with the situation, sometimes it is just a matter of giving them a space to vent and just listen to what they have to say and say, yeah, that sounds really hard. That must suck. I'm sorry you have to go through that. You don't have to know how to fix their problem. That is a big thing that people need to remember is when someone reaches out to help from you is you don't need to fix their problem. That's not necessarily what they're asking. They just need a safe space to talk about what's going on. And I think it's really important to validate what they're feeling is real and it, yes it like if it's a shitty situation say yeah that sucks I don't know what that feels like and I'm really sorry that you have to go through that but I'm here if you need to talk or need to vent whatever it may be we can watch Netflix party together or you know maybe try to go for a walk tomorrow it's not gonna fix it but it may just give you five minutes of peace yeah I remember sort of um when I was struggling as well like 
you don't, you don't, you don't want them to fix it. You don't expect them to fix it. You know, you don't even, you know, they're not a medical professional, they're not a mental health professional. You're probably working with a therapist at the time. And even as Eloise said, they're not curing it. They're not fixing it. They're doing many, many wonders and they're helping you through it. But it's just nice to know that someone knows what's going on and sort of to feel accepted in that sense. Like you just, it's, yeah, it, it can mean the world to someone just to know sort of, you know, if you're sitting in class and you're struggling and all that sort of stuff, just to look across and have that person in there with you who sort of knows what you're going through and, you know, helps you with the assignments or whatever. But it's really, it's really beneficial just to reach out and say, this is what's going on to the, to the right person. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I need to just like breathe. I feel like that was like a lot and I <laughs> forgot to breathe for a little bit there. <laughs> Um, the next question I do want to ask, kind of like switching gears a little bit, we all sort of come from a sporting background. What is your sporting journey, I guess, and led you to where you are now? Amy, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, yeah. So I'll go. So I suppose as a kid, um, sort of my parents always encouraged us to be active and get out and do different things that we enjoyed. So I used to always do swimming and little acts and dancing and all that sort of stuff and bike rides with the family and everything. And um, and when I was nine, I actually broke my hip. Well, I dislocated it. My femur fell out of its socket and that led to surgery and no real exercise for many years until that bone had sort of stopped growing and I was out of the um I was all in the clear in terms of that so that was really tricky um but during that time my sister my older sister started playing softball and I used to go to all her games and watch them and really really fell in love with the sport so as soon as I got the doctors clear I was yep I'm playing this and that was pretty much it I was hooked and that was that was the focus moving on then was playing softball getting into different state development teams and all that sort of stuff, traveling where I could with it. And then once I came to uni, it was, yep, that's it. I'm continuing this, getting a Deacon team together. And yeah, just the love of softball has just grown and grown and grown. <laughs> that's pretty much my journey. But yeah, what about you, Eloise? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's a bit of a journey. Um, I would describe it generally as trial and error and accidentally falling into something that I'm quite good at. Um, so yeah, when we were little, same as you, we um, we grew up playing sports. So our family was a tennis family um, and I did ballet. So we played tennis and ballet from when I was five. Um, and then I got to being on point for ballet, but I was like 10. So I had to wait till I was 12 or 14 before I was allowed to go on point. So my mum basically said, stuff this um, and moved us to netball. Um, so I played netball with my sister and then I decided that I liked hitting people more than I liked playing netball. So I started playing basketball um, and my sister, my sister played netball and I played basketball. So we kind of went off on the tangent there. Um, then I, yeah, I fell in love with basketball. So I joined the Melbourne Uni Basketball Club when I started my undergrad, um, spent lots of happy years playing Sunday night domestic. Um, I represented Melbourne Uni at um, Southern Uni Games, National Uni Games, and the regional tournament weekends where we would go up to like Warrnambool or Aubrey for a weekend and basically drink all weekend, but also play six games a day kind of thing. Um, but I still played tennis as well. So I played, I played for Melbourne Uni in tennis. I played grade three pennant, um, played in their AUGs, SUGs team, 
Um, and then after, I think it was 2015, I decided that I had enough of tennis um, and I wanted to play basketball full time. So wanting to try it for the Melbourne Uni Big V team, I started running. And then I decided that I liked running more. So I joined the Melbourne Uni cross country team, um, just decided to do uni games and I ended up coming sixth. Um, and then I was like, you know what? I can do a marathon. So I entered the Melbourne Marathon, didn't train, but just kind of rocked up, um, ran a sub four hour marathon, um, top 10 in the uni games distance running chance. Um, and then one of my basketball mates was like, oh, you should join an ass club. Like we need women come join the ass club. So I was like, yeah, all right. Um, went and did that. Um, we won the state athletics track and field shield in Premier Division in 2018 in our first year. And I was the Open Women's Cross Country um, Club champ. And then I was like, you know what? I want to go to America and run marathons at the age of 20. Silly. Um, so I entered the Gold Coast Marathon. I was like, you know what? I'm going to run a three hour 30 marathon and qualify for Boston. Long story short, I had shin splints. I hadn't trained. I'd been on night shift. I passed out at 35Ks, gave myself heat stroke, um, ended up in ED, and then my mum was like, enough. Um, so I kind of went, oh, in for a penny, in for a pound, saw an ad pop up on my Facebook for a half Ironman. And I was like, that kind of looks like fun. I'm swimming. I'm cycling for rehab. I hate them both, but it's fine. Um, and at the time I was working as a, uh, in my grad year. So I was working in on a cardiology ward and one of the cardiologists worked for the Baker Institute. So he enrolled me in like some cardiology endurance athlete study. And then that year, the Baker Institute decided to sponsor the Geelong Half Ironman. So he said, well, why don't you, why don't you do the Half Ironman? You can fundraise, we'll give you a tri suit, it'll be great. I was like, awesome. Didn't know how to ride a bike. I mean, I'd ridden as a kid, but like didn't have a bike, didn't have, anyway got a secondhand bike off like Gumtree, um, rode the race in runners um, and like a secondhand helmet. I had no idea what I was doing. Didn't even get out of the small gear. Um, sorry, the small small ring um, on my bike for the whole race. I still, I still rode like a sub three hour 90K in the small ring, like with runners. I don't understand. Um, and I was sort of going, lol, 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 just enjoying it. Um, finished, came top 10 in my age group. And I was like, what um and then I was like you know what triathlon seems pretty fun let's give it a crack so I joined an actual triathlon club so Melbourne Tri Club and Fluid Movements they're um run by Sean and Lindsay Foster they're a sort of husband and wife coach duo um and they said you know what you you could probably represent Australia if you wanted to so me thinking okay I should get myself a proper bike then let's do that um, and then qualified for world champs in my first year, which would have been 2020. And then that got cancelled. So I re-qualified for, for this year, which got cancelled. And now I am trying to qualify again for next year. Um, and hopefully we'll be doing my first Ironman in March in New Zealand. Pending borders. So I kind of went from zero to a thousand very quickly. Um, still don't really know what I'm doing, but you know, I'll, I'll take it. Um, so then last year I did my postgrad in critical care with Deakin. So then met Renee and Sheridan and because of lockdown, we had a virtual cycling event. So I got really excited. I was like, I'm so competitive. I wanted, I want to do uni games again. 
um, and I got about six girls who were not cyclists to do the virtual cycling and ended up winning gold just because we had so many people doing it. So now I've got a Uni Games gold medal in cycling, which wasn't even like a proper road race. Um, and then, yeah, I put my hand up to be the triathlon team manager this year and then it didn't happen. So I'm sat at home twiddling my thumbs and I won't be a Deacon student next year. So we'll have to, we'll have to get one of the juniors to come along and be more competitive than I am, but that, that could be interesting. Yeah. I actually love your story, but it also makes me mad at the same time because <laughs> you're one of those people that I really dislike in the sense that you are good at all these different sports. And I'm like, can you please pick one and share? Because it's not fair. It's too greedy. No, no. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I want to do them all. Um, I My sporting story sort of starts from like, I'm a swimmer and I did all the learn to swim. Like, so you do like the baby classes with like a parent and stuff like that. My parents always said to both myself and my brother that we had to know how to swim. And once we sort of finished learn to swim, that it was our choice whether we continued to go on and do squad or take it any further. But we had to know how to swim. So I did learn to swim and I also did dancing. I did jazz and I think there was something else I don't remember, but I was like, this is too much stretching and not enough dancing. This is stupid. <laughs> so I stopped. And then I picked up basketball for a little bit. I, mind you, keep in mind, I'm still swimming throughout this whole time and picked up basketball and I got knocked in the face with the ball and got a blood nose. I said, no, not doing this anymore. So I stopped that. <laughs> <laughs> My friend did a uh, little athletics. And so, cause she was doing, I wanted to do it too, so that we could spend the weekend together because she was no longer free on Saturdays to catch up. So that means I have to go and do athletics too, so that we can hang out. <laughs> And not the greatest runner. I'm much better in water than I am on land. So that didn't really stick around for too long. And then I picked up netball and absolutely loved it. I fell in love. My primary school made a team together and we sort of stuck it out. I think it was about grade three all the way through. And then we kind of finished the season off, which sort of ended halfway through year seven. And because it's a primary school team, we had to sort of finish off. And then if you wanted to continue on, you had to go on somewhere else. But I was already training a lot for swimming by that point. And my coach sort of said, like, if you want to take this seriously, you need to not play netball because it is taking up our training time. And so I was like, okay, well, the season's finished. I think it's time to let that go. And I've just continued swimming ever since. I first went to uni games in 2017 with Monash at the time and came home with two bronze medals from our relays. We did quite well in our relays, which was really exciting. And so transferring across to Deakin, the Deakin didn't have a swim team. And I was like, well, not on my watch. <laughs> like, it's going to happen. We're going to have one if I'm here. And I remember that time at Sheridan and sort of started from there. And she's like, well, we don't have a team manager. Do you want it? And I was like, okay. And I ended up being the team manager and forming a team together. And so I've done that the last four years. And obviously the last two haven't really done anything because it hasn't gone ahead, unfortunately. But yeah, I've met some pretty great people through doing that. And I don't know, I might be at Deakin next year doing further study. I still don't know what's going on. Um, but yeah, otherwise this could potentially be my last year as team manager, even though it hasn't been anything, I don't think. But yeah, it's been an interesting journey. 
Yeah, def- Unigames definitely holds a lot of fond memories in my heart. Um, even playing, oh, God, it would have been like five sports at this point. I found all the accreditation tags when I was moving out. And I was like, oh, my God, I've gone to so many of these these little these little things. But it was definitely the, the highlight, the social highlight of my year, same as the basketball tournaments, just because you were around your mates playing sport that you loved. There was a lot of drinking involved as well, but... For me, it was about being with a group of people, like-minded people that we were playing the sport that we enjoyed. We were going out, we were being social, just a really good time. I feel like my sport friends are the ones that I've kept. I don't think there's been a a friend from uni or high school that I've not stayed in touch with than my sport friends. Um, And I think that really shows when you're, you've got that same mindset, same personality, you're around each other, you know, multiple times a week training you're going through the same thing. You're suffering the hurt. You hate the coach. You know, you're pumping each other up in races and games and things. I think it, it's, it's very, very important um, part of life for me. Um, probably you guys too, having grown up with it as well. Yeah, definitely. I think uni games and sort of starting the softball team, you know, as Renee said, it was ridiculous for her not having a swimming team. I said, you know, we're going to we're starting a softball team. And <laughs> at that point, I think I had, uh, I knew of four girls who played softball. Um, played club softball and said, you know, there's, there's there's interest here and basically begged my uni friends in education to fill the rest of the diamond and they hadn't a single thing clue or any idea of how to play. So we taught them, you know, watching YouTube games of softball and all that sort of stuff. And in the first year we went, we came seventh. And then the next year, my, my older sister came back. She had done her undergrad at Melbourne Uni and played all of um, all of Melbourne Uni's uni games, and she came back. I think like six years later to in her postgrad um, of medicine. So we had all three of the barn girls in the softball team, which was really exciting. Um, we came fourth that year, just missed out, and then in 2019, I said, "No, nah, this is it. This is it. This is the year where we're winning it." And we did, and it was absolutely the best best tournament I've ever played and I'm just so thankful that I had had that softball team and uni games in general it was just yeah I'm so glad that it's an experience that that I've been able to live through two questions one is I want an embarrassing sporting story it doesn't have to be related to Deegan any sport doesn't matter what stage in your life I want an embarrassing story and I will definitely share mine after you guys do yours first and then the next question is a highlight from Deacon's Sport, which I think you guys have sort of touched on already but maybe there's another one that you haven't sort of brought up yet so Aloise do you want to start off with one an embarrassing story and two highlight of Deacon Sport I think it would be harder to find a serious sports story with me. I find like <laughs> every other day I'm doing something dumb or falling off a steeplechase or, you know, but the, I think I think the thing that sticks out and will definitely show most of my personality is um, last last year, the year before, um, our, our work um, Christmas party was a Christmas in July party. So it was in July, obviously, and we had a, a dress-up competition. Um, and I dressed up. I'd got a jacket from the op shop, and I'd covered it in string lights. And I was like a flashing tree, and I rocked up. Anyway, long story short, I had a really, really good night. And I got home about four in the morning, and I had the AV Shield 10K road race the next day at eight in the morning. 
Um, so I got home and my housemate got home at the same time and we were like, hey, kick-ons in the kitchen. So we did that. And then the alarm went off to go to my race. And I thought, oh no, I now have to go run 10Ks on a road. So I got myself to Albert Park and I was sort of jogging and I'm like, oh yeah, I feel all right, feel good. Um, and then I started the race and I ran a 5K PB. The first time I've ran under 20 minutes for 5K, I ran 19.38 the first lap, stopped, vomited, got back on the road, started walking. I was like, that's it, I'm done because the, the hangover started to hit me then. Um, and then I was like, no, no, it's fine. You can just jog. So I just kept jogging. And then our coach at the time, so I was running Div 1 cross country for South Melbourne. So I was not a Div 1 cross country runner, but I think a few of the girls had pulled out and I got put in there. So they were, they were serious. They needed points. And I'm sort of lolling at the back. Um, and the coach is riding around on his bike, sort of yelling at me like, why are you walking? What are you doing? And I'm like, oh, don't look at me. Um, and then I got to the last K and I looked at my watch and I thought, if I sprint, if I sprint this last K, I can go under 45 minutes here. So I sprinted the last K and got into Albert Park Stadium, the Lakeside Stadium, and I crossed the line and I just passed out on the finish line. And I woke up to Tim Crosby's face looking at me being like, so did you enjoy that? <laughs> and then I don't remember this, but apparently I said, Tim, I got a 5K PB and then passed out again. So that's my most embarrassing, I think. Everything else is sort of, dumb but funny and I can laugh about it but that that was not a good day that was I went home and slept for like three days straight after that I never again but did I learn my lesson no <laughs> and did we win yes so we're worth it um Amy you can you can go next yeah. what the other question so, um, was because I forgot yeah so I mean I can't really I'm sure I've done a lot of embarrassing things and I probably just blocked them out of my memory <laughs> from fear of wanting to relive them. Um, the one thing that's probably coming to mind is, I don't know, like um, anyone that's seen the softball, the Deacon softball team play, we're a very vocal team. We definitely sort of get behind and very, very loud in the cheering and all that sort of stuff. And so I'm, I'm a catcher. So um, often if the pitch is not performing very well or if they're having a little bit of a struggle, pitching a lot of balls or whatever, or um, the batters are getting onto them and hitting them, um, I try to, you know, talk them up, get them, get them back into the groove and moving again and all that sort of stuff. And I was, you know, talking to my pitcher and all that sort of stuff. And then all of a sudden I was listening to the other team um, cheering for their batter and I went to go cheer for my pitcher, but I started cheering for their batter. Sitting <laughs> <laughs> right behind this girl, meaning to talk to my pitcher, going like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, hang on, this doesn't seem right. Batter turns around and has a look at me like, is this like some psych you know <laughs> reverse psychology to kind of freak me out sort of thing the umpire's just like are we are we all good and I'm just sitting there going oh come on can we just get this over and done with can we just get her out so I can just go back to the dugout and just pretend that that didn't happen because it was just it was just so awkward like it just yeah it was one of those moments that you're just glad you had something else to focus on during that time because you just didn't want to keep reliving it in your head <laughs> yep I have an embarrassing story. So if you don't know swimming, when you race, you have really tight bathers and they're really, really hard to get on. Like if they take you less than 20 minutes to get on, they're too big. 
you need to size down type like that's how tight we're talking and so I was standing behind the blocks ready to get on for my race but there was another heat before me so I was standing there doing my warm like swinging my arms around and I sort of like bent down to like do my like my rotations for my back oh no and I realized that my venison split right at my crotch and I had to do breaststroke, which is like the frog kick. So your legs are kind of coming out, right? And it was too late. Like there was nothing I could do. Like they'd split. I'm behind the blocks. Like this is it. And so I did the race and I was like, oh my God, they're going to split even further. And my whole, I'm going to flash. I'm going to flash everyone. Everyone is going to see me naked. That is what's going to happen. And so I'm assuming I did not do a very good race because I was not thinking about the race. All I could think about was I'm going to flash everyone and I'm going to be mortified for the rest of my life. And I got out and they had split a little bit more, but it wasn't too bad. And I quickly like grabbed my towel and had to like run away and change them for my next race. But it was so embarrassing. I was like, I have probably just flashed everyone my vagina. So <laughs> it was very embarrassing. Very embarrassing. Um, the other question I had was a Deacon sporting highlight. And for me personally, I mean, there's so many, there's so many good ones I can pick. And there's even a few from like just uni games in general that I can pick, but that wasn't Deacon. So that's not really in the realm of the question. A Deacon sporting highlight, it would probably have to be first year that I went and we're on the Gold Coast when swimming was still with everybody else, with all the other sports, just getting to know everyone the first year, having a Deacon team together was pretty good. And we stayed with the water polo girls. So that was really great. But then also the second time we went, swimming got its own sort of event on its own and we were separated. So we were earlier in the year and we went to Sydney instead and we didn't have any Deacon staff. So I was the responsible adult and I'm like, hi, I'm not an adult. (laughs) This is not right. Um, but we had a really, really good time and we got to, we did team dinners all the time and we did have that luxury of a bit more freedom. So it was really good to just go and we got to sightsee. I'd never been to Sydney before. And so we sort of got to go down and we had lunch by the harbour and see the opera house. And that was a really cool experience to do some um, with some really cool swimmers. But what would you say is your highlight, Eloise? Well, considering I've only been at Deakin last year and this year and we've been in a, a panini press. <laughs> the whole time um I have one I've I've done one Deacon event but it like it's obviously the highlight by default but it is the highlight with a capital H so last year with the cycling um uni uni sport Australia tacked on the back of uh the SRAM standard series which is like a virtual cycling event there was six races and you could like win a jersey I don't even know what it was but uni games jumped on the back of it and I said, okay, well, if you register with your university and register on Zwift Power, you can earn points and yada, yada. So um, I did the first one and I was like, oh, yeah, this is all right. It really hurt and I hated it. But I was like, okay, this is okay. And then Sheridan got in touch with me because my sister had played netball for Deakin for a few years and she knew my sister. And then she sort of went, hang on a minute, that's that name's familiar. So she got in touch with me and said, hang on a minute are you what are you doing why are you cycling what's what's going on and then we kind of fed off each other's energy and we're like if we get more girls involved we can win this so there were six races so I was the first one and uh, the only one in the first race 
and then race by race we got more people involved and it ended up there was the girl that won it was from I think Sydney you said uh no uni south australia and she was in front every single race and the more people i got involved the closer we got in points so each week we were just like oh and then on instagram sheridan and i can't remember the name of the the dude from south australia but they started having like an instagram war and were like posting pictures being like oh we're gonna catch you and then i was ringing around everyone that i knew that was a deacon student i was trying to get my sister involved as an alumnus I got, um, in the end, six girls. So Ashley Hoare, who is a close friend of mine and triathlete. I got Brooke Stratton, who is our Australian Olympic long jumper, um, whose boyfriend, now fiancé, is a triathlete. So I knew they'd have a bike. I was like, right, Brooke can do it. Um, and we were mates from um, athletics. And I was like, I think she goes to Deakin. And then sort of friends of friends and then someone else joined we ended up with six and in the last race we overtook uni south australia and we won the gold i was so excited i was like sitting in my car on the way home from some random shift in werribee and my scrubs like yes with like half a toasted sandwich hanging out of my mouth looking at my phone because <laughs> the results came out and i swear you could hear sheridan screaming from melbourne um <laughs> when we won that and it was kind of depressing because we got our medals sent in the post um because it was all virtual but definitely the highlight um I ended up getting a Deacon cycling jersey which I've worn to Beach Road a few times I'm like oh yes I'm I'm Deacon's <laughs> tune yes um and we had to do a little photo shoot with our medals because we couldn't get a team photo so I ended up going out the front of my house with my bike and the medal and like taking like selfies and like trying to like you know hide from the neighbors but also like take photos of my bike and my medal and it turn into a whole thing but um a great highlight in a year where we couldn't actually do any competitive sport um that was a really good initiative and I think the girls really enjoyed it because we were all going a bit crazy um but yeah we ended up winning I was like that's my first uni games gold I've got like seven silvers I've never won a gold <laughs> before and I'm like cycling yep cycling is what I win a gold in yep okay that's hilarious I've got a couple obviously winning that sort of moment of realizing that we had won uni games or uni nationals in 2019 was incredible the whole team rushed out onto the field and it was just huge celebration but I think another highlight that really stands out is um in the 2018 team we had a lot of really really talented softballers came to the team and you need nine softballers to take a diamond and uh Sorry, and the minimum numbers is 10. So we didn't have 10 to go away for uni games. So I was begging people, just sort of anyone that I could think of at uni who I could put a mitt on and just said, please, please come, you know, I'll help pay. You don't have to do anything. You can just have fun and you can be a team mascot, just please come. So one of my good, good mates decided, yep, I've been to uni games before. It's a ton of fun. I'll come. Let's do this. So she pretty much just sat on the bench the entire week. And I was like, are you sure you don't want to play? Like, you've come here to, like, you know, I'll put you in easy, the easier positions. I'll put you in at times when we're winning a game and we're comfortable. No, 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 I don't want to play. I'm just here to help. I'm just here to help. <laughs> Trying to get into the grand final that year, our third baseman, who was incredible, um, went for a diving catch and landed wrong and dislocated her shoulder. So we've gone, oh, oh goodness like this is awful and I just look across and see my friend Molly sitting on the bench 
just kind of panic over her face like oh no I have to play now <laughs> this wasn't part of the deal I don't want to do this so um yeah get get the um jewels out their basement off and she goes off to the hospital with Dan and Sheridan and Molly's just going I, I can't do this like I can't do this I'm like yep you can you absolutely can there's only half a game to go you're good and um it finally came up to her turn to bat a few innings later and she's there and she's just looking at me as I'm standing in this coach's in the coach's box just like I don't know what to do I don't know what to do and I'm like just close your eyes and swing the ball we'll swing the bat it doesn't matter you know? <laughs> she hits the ball and makes it to first base and the whole team just loses it like <laughs> screaming jumping up and down like the encouragement was just amazing the other team's kind of looking at us like what is going on you guys are losing this game she hasn't scored a run she's just got to first base and we were just on our own little high we're like don't even care this it was just such a huge highlight and just that team was incredible just the support for this player who really didn't have any idea what she was doing through no fault of her own but yeah that was definitely one of the highlights that is a great story. You should definitely like tell everyone that story. I That is so good. And I think there's so many times where sport has had a really positive impact in all of our lives. So the next question I sort of have is how has sport helped with uni and managing study in general? Amy, did you want to go first with this one? Yeah, definitely. I think it's just sort of even having something else to focus on, like something that's uni related, that's not stress and exam and classes and all that sort of stuff, like going to classes, going, okay, yep, I have to pay attention and listen to this. And it's a little bit challenging and all that sort of stuff, but we've got a training next and I get to catch up with the girls and have a throw and have a hit. And it's going to be really fun and just having a break as well and something to look forward to. I mean, uni nationals is usually at the end of trimester, which can be a little bit stressful and stuff as well, but you know, having that break where it is just before exams and going away and having that time with friends as sort of a recharge before you come back and finish off that semester strong I think that it was unbelievable just so so helpful in terms of balancing and even further I mean in the 2019 uni games that was sort of when I was in the middle of one of my biggest depressions and um, I wasn't actually studying at Deakin at that time I'd qualified because I studied at trimester one and just having that team and that sort of weekly thing to focus on and that goal of going away and playing uni games and having the girls support me like was just so helpful in every aspect of my life like I cannot rave about uni nationals and uni games enough like there's any people who've still got next year go for it go play uni nationals in any sport just sort of get in there and have a go so in terms of um, sport helping with uni definitely the same as Amy where for me in my undergrad uni games always fell in the second semester mid-semester break so it was always something to look forward to Um, And for me, I didn't go out a lot at uni. I wasn't very social. I'm still not. Um, I'm very much an introverted person. Um, But when I like to connect with people, I like to connect with them one-on-one. And I don't like being in an environment where the music is too loud for me to actually talk to someone. So for me, uni games was a time where I could go away, get loose, um, have have a really good Um, week away from the stresses of uni and assignments and everything and even just getting away from home because I still lived with my parents until I finished uni so it was essentially a holiday with mates 
with sport, which was the, easily the highlight of my year. Um, and in terms of the other areas of my life, sport has given me friends. It's given me a group of people that I can connect with, that I resonate with. Um, everyone has their reason and their passion for doing a particular sport or anything at all, really. Um, and I think sport is unique in that when you're training, you're suffering. So you're either doing drills, which are annoying, or you're practicing something over and over, or you're doing fitness, which is hard and it hurts, but you're in that shared suffering with people who also see the benefit of it. And then when it's game day, you've got that group morale and it's absolutely fantastic. You get the endorphins from exercise. You're around people that you enjoy the company of. You're all competing, you're working hard. And when you win, it's just, it's euphoria. Honestly, it is the best feeling. Um, and being able to share that with other people, I think is, is what makes sport fantastic. Um, and it also teaches you that you don't win every time. Like it's, you, you don't, you can't go out there and win everything. So for someone that is a recovering perfectionist, it's taught me how to lose and it's taught me how to recover from losing and also that losing and grief and not getting something that I want and in particular not getting something that I put a lot of effort into as well and seeing that not achieved um, allows me to sort of apply that to other areas of my life where I'm disappointed or I lose something um, and I find that invaluable as well because you've then got mates who understand what you're going through at the same time so it's just I don't know what my life would be without sport honestly because I've grown up grown up with it from my parents and I think yeah definitely all of my friends that I've kept are from sport yeah, I think sport has a really positive impact on our lives and it definitely teaches you a lot of skills that can be transferable in other areas of your life too. I think that's a really big thing and it's definitely helped me with my study because otherwise I would literally just put things off to the last minute and not do them. But it's like, no, I have training tonight. If I don't get it done now, it will not happen. So I have to do it now. And that's probably something in lockdown. I'm like, how do people that don't do sport, like they have so much time, why do they not get things done? And then it's like, we're in lockdown. It's like, I'll just do it tomorrow. I've got heaps of time. I'll just do it tomorrow. I've got heaps of time. And then it's like, oh shit, like that assignment due. Like I need to do it now. So that is definitely one thing that sport has taught me is to be able to time manage and plan ahead. That is probably one of the biggest things and something that I implement with studying uni all the time. Like every trimester, I'm like the biggest planning, organizing nerd you'll probably ever meet in your entire life. I have an Excel spreadsheet that I make at the side of every trimester that has each unit that I'm undertaking and then each week, what assignments are due in each week. And I like plan it all out. Each unit is their own color. Then I put those colors into my phone calendar as reminders of when things are due. Like everything is color coded and organized down to a T. And that way I don't have to think about it later on. I do it all of that in week one so that I know. And that way when things do get a bit hectic or I do have more things on with sport or I'm socializing more, whatever it is that I have going on in my life, it's I get a reminder on my phone, you have an assignment due in a week or the assignment's due in three days you need to submit that time by eight o'clock tonight. I have those reminders so that I don't have to have those in the back of my mind. Like, Oh, when's that due again? Like it's already done. I don't have to think about it. So that's definitely helped me massively. And 
to wrap up our conversation today, I want to finish off with one particular question. Then if there's anything else you want to add, feel free to chuck it in. What has been something that you have learned during the many lockdowns? <laughs> Do you want to start us off, Aloise? Something you've learned during lockdown? I have learnt that I somehow enjoy going round and round and round in circles on the same patch of grass or in cycle. Like I will run around laps around the local oval for an hour and enjoy it. I know. And I go to the velodrome and I do my long I do my long rides on Saturday mornings, so two to three hours on a velodrome, which for reference is three hundred meters. So you can imagine the number of laps that I do. Um, and when I had access to, you know, everything else, I'd, I'd get bored. I'd be like, no, I need to go see something else. But now I learned that I just enjoy the movement of it. And I'm just enjoying the fact that I can move and the fact that I've got sun on my back and fresh air. Um, which in the past I would have, you know, had to put on music or a podcast or whatever, but now I can just sit there and go round and round and round and love it because I am moving and I'm outside. Um, and I never thought that I would sit on a velodrome for hours. <laughs> like when I used to run track, we do, we do fart like sessions up to 40 minutes around the track. And I'd be like, Oh my God, I've gone around here again. I'd be looking at the trees. I'd be looking at the clock. I'd be, you know, not, concentrating but I found that when you're not distracted by things around you I actually feel more in tune with my body and I'm able to actually enjoy the movement of it rather than just look for distractions because I'm like oh this is annoying time is passing so surprising to learn that but I'm actually quite enjoying it I think probably the main thing that I've learned is that I'm better at dealing with things that are that are out of my control than I thought I was (laughs) Like I think that's one of the things that I've sort of in the past is sort of I've had those perfectionist natures and those sort of desire to sort of want to know what's happening and when it's happening and what my reaction will be and what other people's reactions will be and sort of I suppose monitor all of that whereas you can't do that in a pandemic especially you know when you don't know if you're going to be going to see friends this day or if you're going to be locked down or if you're going to be in isolation I mean when I was in Melbourne I was really unlucky and got um exposed in tier tier one sites twice so I've done two 14 day isolations in a bedroom by myself and I think I've just yeah learned that it's okay not to be able to control things because in all honesty in life you can't control much at all and that I am as corny as it sounds stronger than I think that I am and that mentally as well I can get through things a lot more things than I thought I probably could and I sort of joke with a bit of a dark sense of humor that I'm lucky that um (laughs) the pandemic came after I've had as much therapy as I have because it probably would have been a little bit a lot harder if it had come any earlier but I think that's just sort of yeah, sort of a bit of a pattern your own back in terms of the fact that you're surviving it and not only surviving it, but at times sort of still thriving through a lockdown. Like that's that's very impressive. Yeah, absolutely. I think definitely in the sense that this lockdown has really tested all of us and I think everyone can pat themselves on the back to say, yeah, I've survived and I'm 
coming out the other side. I mean, we're not quite there yet, but I'm sure we'll all get there. I think one of the biggest things for me is that not to base my worth on my swimming achievements because they will fluctuate. They will go up and down. I'm not going to get my best performance every time. That's why it's my best. It's not going to be every single time I get behind those blocks, I'm not going to get a PB every single time. And that doesn't change who I am as a person. That's just what I do. It's not who I am. That's something that I've really sort of tried to take on board and I'm still figuring out I'm not quite there yet but I've definitely started doing that so that's been a really big thing and doing this podcast I've done majority of this in lockdown and I'm quite an introvert which some people find really bizarre because once I start talking and I'm in my comfort zone I'm I'm pretty good but I'm talking to people all the time that I've never met in my entire life and I would never go up to someone that I've never met and start a conversation. And I'm asking them to be really vulnerable and I'm asking really strong emotional questions. And sometimes those questions get put back on me as well. And I answer them as well. So being vulnerable with someone that you've never met can be really hard. And so I'm really proud that I'm able to do that. I think it's really cool that I've learned that and I'm still learning. And I sometimes I have like almost... I get so anxious beforehand and I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to do this. And then afterwards I'm like, no, that was fine. Like, it's not that bad. (laughs) I've definitely noticed the theme with listening to a few of your episodes in that a lot of athletes will say that a pivotal point, whether or not they've reached it or they've just started to identify it is being able to divorce your identity from what you're doing. Um, And I, I definitely know this about myself when I, start to get stressed I start to get busy I go okay well I'm a nurse I'm going to put my uniform on and I'm going to be a nurse today and that's that's who I am or when I go to training I'm an athlete that's what I'm doing that's who I am today and it's taken me a while to sort of think that regardless of whether or not I do well at uni or I excel in my career or I'm able to um, you know make a world championships team or whatever that doesn't change who I am and that's a very very hard thing um, especially with people I guess that are athletes and students and work. We're the kind of people that do strive and we are very competitive. And I think that insecurity and competitiveness can be a bit dangerous. Um, and I'm glad, Renee, actually, I was going to ask you um, how you were going on that journey as well, because I've, I've noticed you've brought up in a few podcasts recently. I was listening to the one with Ellie Cole um, and you definitely talk a lot about um, identity as an athlete and how when you're injured, losing that, or when you're in lockdown and not able to race, you can sort of lose yourself in that. And I think as young adults as well, we're all sort of trying to figure out life as well. So <laughs> I think that's that's a very important thing to highlight is that you're not going to change regardless of your grades or your career or how you perform. Um, and you just need to need to find the things that make you you. Yeah. And it's definitely something that I'm still figuring out. And it's, as you said, it's come up in my podcast quite a lot, which is why I've sort of spent time thinking about it a lot more because you sort of go into it and it's like, okay, if I strip all my achievements back, if I strip back uni, yes, I'm a student, but that's just part of me. It's not exactly who I am. So if I take away my grades, if I take away my swimming achievements, medals, whatever that is, if you strip it all back, who am I? Like, who am I actually? It's like, well, you know, I'm a sister, I'm a daughter, I'm a good friend, I'm kind, I'm caring, I'm loyal, I'm honest. And you sort of have to go through all of those things and figure out and really 
like it feels weird to say those things. I'm still not 100% comfortable with those words coming out of my mouth. It still feels a bit foreign because it's not something that I'm used to doing. But it is important to recognize that whilst you do all these really cool things, you have to be able to figure out that you're not all of those things. And I think lockdown, and as you mentioned, Eloise, like I've spoken about this quite a lot in my podcast, is that in lockdown, when you don't have all those normal things that you would, that we take for granted, is you have to figure out, okay, well, who am I without all those things? And when I first asked that question, I had no idea. I didn't have an answer. Yeah. All the distractions are taken away, all of your identities and uniforms and however you choose to perceive, you know, present yourself to the world, that's all stripped away. And that's how we survive lockdown is we've got to connect to who we are. And I think this is a really wonderful opportunity for a lot of us. I mean, it sucks. It's we're in a pandemic and life has changed for everyone, um, probably permanently. Like we'll never be the same. It'll be different. It'll be better. But I don't think we're going to go back to exactly how we were before. And I think the hard thing about lockdown is that we're suddenly confronted with our, our own identity and being alone in our own space. And we don't have the distractions, the uni, we don't have the socialising, we don't have the sport, we don't have everything that we use to fill up our day. And now we're just stuck with ourselves. So like you said before, Amy, I'm very grateful that I've had all of this therapy because I think if I didn't have such a strong sense of self, I would struggle a lot more than I have. And I can see that other people are as well. So I think it's a wonderful opportunity to reconnect to ourselves and decide exactly who we want to be. And it's not, I'm an athlete, I'm a nurse, I'm a student, I'm a scientist, I'm a dot, dot, dot. It's, I am kind, I am honest, I am a family member, I am a housemate, I am a cat mum. And these are things that I like to do, not who I am. I think as well, it, it can be really tricky to own that identity at times as well, because sometimes, you know, especially when you're talking about your positive traits, you can kind of sound like you're a little bit sort of up yourself or whatever. And I think that's sort of one of the first things that um, when I first met my psychiatrist was she was trying to get a sense of who I was and all that sort of stuff. And so she was asking me to say these sort of things. And I think she picked up on the fact that I was uncomfortable in saying these things like, you know, I am a nice person. I am a kind person. I care about animals. I care about the environment. I care about this. She sort of reminded me that it's sort of just saying, you know, the same. It's like, I have blue eyes. Like if that's a fact to you, then state it. Like that's who you are. You can identify and hold on to that as well. And I think that's sort of really important as well is sort of giving yourself that permission to sort of talk yourself up and you know, like make yourself feel a bit better and own these things because, you know, you're very quick to judge yourself and highlight all the things that are, you know, quote unquote wrong with you. But when there's something good, it's so much harder to sort of hold on to that and say, yeah, I've got this, this, this is me. And how easy is it to point those things out about other people? Like, oh, "Oh, she looks really good today or, oh, she's so nice or, you know, but how often do we ever say, oh, actually I did really well today. I was really nice to someone. Um, yeah, and it's sort of taking those moments and appreciating that you are actually, you're actually doing all right. Yeah, like, absolutely. You're doing okay, yeah. Yeah, I agree. We say all these nice things and pump our friends up so often, but it's not often that we do those things to ourselves. And that's a quote that I think gets thrown around a lot is talk to yourself like you talk to your best friend or a loved one or whatever. And whilst I can say all these things, and I'm sure you guys are the same, and obviously I've had a lot of therapy as well to be to the point where I am now, but 
I still have really shitty days. Like I will still stand in front of the mirror and absolutely scrutinize myself whilst also having good days where I say, yeah, I'm a really good person. And I did a really cool thing today. I have both. Both of those things still happen. So I do want anyone that's listening to remember whilst we can, we can all sit here and say, I'm kind, I'm caring, I'm honest. I do all these things. I still have really bad days too. Like they still yeah. exist. Don't think like it's sometimes, especially with social media, we always see the highlights real of what's going on. And we always see the good things. We don't always see what's going on behind closed doors. So I do want to make it aware that I do have bad days. Like they are still, they still exist. Even though there's good days, they're also bad. Yeah. And I think as well, even as well, like I sort of, some parts that I've struggled with through the therapy and stuff is you sort of have this plan of how you're supposed to attack attack these bad days, I suppose, you know, it's like, okay, I'm having this and I know I shouldn't engage in this thought or whatever. And it can almost make yourself feel, I I know for myself personally, a little bit worse because it's like, hang on, I know I'm not supposed to be doing this technically, but I am and all that sort of stuff. And it's just kind of like, you have to go back to, okay, I'm human, especially like I'm young. I'm still learning. Like it's okay. Like you don't have to have it all figured out and you can have bad days and you can have bad days for no reason and you don't have to justify it. And that's part of being human. Like you're not a machine. You don't have, you know, this you have to get up and do and you're not always going to have the same conditions. Like it's going to change and that's completely normal and you have to, yeah, accept it. And it's almost like when you do that it's freeing because you can kind of go okay cool like I'll take what comes yeah it's gonna have good you're gonna have good days you're gonna have bad days it's gonna give you it's gonna give you a pandemic out of nowhere just for fun like because it can um so and even even not getting the thing for me is not getting trapped in that cycle of oh I shouldn't be feeling this way or I should be doing this to make myself feel better I feel shit that's fine I'm allowed to I'm just gonna sit with that and I find that that is exactly what I would want someone else to do for me. So if I was having a shit day, just come and sit with me in the shit. Just, just be with me. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. I'm allowed to feel like this. And I am. That's just how it is at the, at the minute. And then maybe I'll feel better later. Maybe I won't. But that's yeah. okay. I think so another, so. another thing as well is when I was sort of going through some of my stuff and, you know, I would, I'd often sit and think and go, oh, but so-and-so that I know has it so much worse or, you know, I'm really blessed. Like I have a really loving and supportive family and I've got really great friends and I've got all these opportunities. Why do I still feel like crap? Like I'm so ungrateful and all that sort of stuff. But then just sort of realising and, I've, you know, seeing these sort of quotes and all that sort of stuff, it's like whether you're drowning in three feet of water or nine feet of water, you're still drowning and it's sort of, like that's just it like you can't compare yourself to other people's situations because if that's how it's affecting you then that's how it's affecting you and that's completely okay and you're allowed to feel that way and you're allowed to sort of you know get all the help that you need even if there are people that are out there it's not that you're taking their help they'll get you they deserve that help too yes but you definitely deserve that help as well yeah and there's a quote that touches on that as well and it's kind of like you know, we say all the time, oh, I can't be upset because I have it worse than me. And I wish I knew who said this, but they said to me, well, you can't be happy because someone has it better than you. Like that sounds so ridiculous. Like no one says that. Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't say that, oh, you can't be upset because someone has it worse. It's all relative to what you've experienced. 
Yeah, absolutely. I remember I saw some artist on Instagram had done something and it was sort of, you know, it was these two puppy dogs. It was really cute. There was a really small breed and a big breed and they've both been walking through mud and it was like, how deep is the mud? And it, well, it depends who, depends who you ask. You know, everyone might go through the exact same experiences, but depending on who they are as a person, like they'll, it'll affect them differently and that's completely okay. That's another part of being individuals and being human. And so you just have to understand that that's completely okay and give, your, give yourself permission. Absolutely. I think something also to finish off with is remembering that your best today might not be the same as your best tomorrow because your best today could be super productive and your best tomorrow could just be getting out of bed. Whilst they're not necessarily the same productivity, it's still your best. Yeah. My best today was waking up at 11, having a shower, eating half a bag of chips and sitting on the couch all day and then getting into bed for this podcast. That's, that was my day. <laughs> Yeah. That was my best. Yep. Love it. All right. I think we might wrap it up here for today. I think we've definitely touched on a lot of things and hopefully anyone that is listening has picked up on something or they may have heard it all before because they're a know-it-all, then that's totally fine. And maybe we at least made them laugh at some point. <laughs> maybe our embarrassing stories. <laughs> yeah. Oh, stop it. There's, there's more where that came from. I'll tell you that. Oh, well, it's been so good having both of you on and chatting about everything and anything. So thank you for joining me and hopefully everyone enjoys listening. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Perfectly Flawed podcast. If you would like to stay up to date for when the next episode is being released, you can follow myself on Instagram at Renee Fox or you can follow the podcast at perfectly underscore flawed underscore podcast. I'll chat to you next time. Bye.